I'm now pleased to introduce our impressive panelists. Rabbinit Devora Evron is director of Oratora Stone's Susie Bradfield's Women's Institute of Halachic Leadership at Midrashat Lindenbaum, and was recently appointed as Manhiga Ruchanit, or spiritual leader at Barilan University. She is a graduate, a graduate of Midrashah at Barilan and the program for Morot Halacha at Beit Morashah in Jerusalem. She teaches Gemara and other traditional Jewish texts and is an active member of Kolech and Beit Hillel. Rabbi Nitzdevara lives in the northern town of Mitzpah with her husband Yuval, and they have four children and six grandchildren. Rabbi Nitz Sally Mayer is Rosh Midrashah of R. Torah Stone's Maria and Joel Finkel Overseas Program at Midrashat Lindenbaum. Before making Aliyah, Rabbanit Sally chaired the Talmud Department and directed Israel Guidance at Mayanot Yeshiva High School for Girls in Teaneck, New Jersey. She also served as the Education Director at the Jewish Center in Manhattan. An alumna of Midrashat Lindenbaum, Rabbanit Sally holds undergraduate and graduate degrees from Yeshiva University and studied at Drisha's Institute's Scholars Circle Program. She and her husband, Rabbi Eitan Mayer, have six children and live in Neve Daniel. Moderating today's discussion is Judy Hecht Berman, who is the director of Global New Business Intake and Information Management Department at the international law firm of Sherman and Sterling. A graduate of Yeshiva University Stern College for Women and NYU School of Law, Judy is past president of the Young Israel of Jamaica, sorry, past vice president of the Young Israel of Jamaica Estates. She is the founding member of the Board of Trustees of Yeshiva University High Schools and is involved in YU's graduate program in advanced Talmudic study, also known as the GPATS. Judy and her husband Zev live in New York. They have four children and nine grandchildren. One final note before we begin. Please feel free to use, utilize the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. If you have a question during the conversation, simply click on that button and submit your question. We will do our absolute best to address as many questions as time permits. Without further ado, I hand the virtual podium now over to, to Judy Hecht Berman. Enjoy the discussion. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Um, I want to thank um, Ortora Stone, Rabbi Brander, um, and Yishai Hughes for putting together this webinar. I'm looking so forward to having such a lively conversation with Rabbanit Sally and with Rabbanit Devora. Now, on to our first topic. So our first question that we'd like to discuss today Given the explosion in opportunities for advanced learning for women, how important is it to find opportunities for women in leadership roles? And if we agree that it is important, how can we do this, keeping in mind community sensitivities? Rabbanit Sally, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind speaking to this topic first. It's my pleasure. Um, and I wanna just, uh, Thank, uh, thank the same people, uh, Ryan and and Rabbi uh, and Rabbi Branzer and Yishai and of course you Judy and and Rabbi Tavar. It's really an honor to be with uh, such a wonderful panel and to to get to talk about this important uh, this important topic. So I want to start off by just 
addressing the the question of the explosion of of, of opportunities for advanced learning for women. Um, you know, just to speak personally, when I was in high school, I was introduced to Gemara for the first time, and I loved it. Um, and I loved, I just, I just really fell in love with learning Torah, learning, learning Gemara happens to be something that I really enjoy, but also Tanakh, and also Halakha, uh, and also Jewish philosophy, and I just, um, I just really connected to it, and uh, there weren't that many, um, there weren't that many young women who were doing that at the time. There was, there weren't a lot of summer programs for girls and there weren't uh, advanced learning options for, for young women uh, so much. And, um, and now I, I look around and it's, it's just, it's a, it's an incredible bracha. It's an incredible, um, it's incredible progress. I think that so many women are interested in learning. So many young women and 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 women throughout stages of our lives are 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 loving learning, are connecting to Torah, um, and uh, and there are you know Baruch Hashem. When I came to Israel for the year, I came to Midrash at Lindenbaum, and it was the only place I think that taught women Gemara. Now there's so many Baruch Hashem. And so many institutions for advanced women's learning also, uh, which is, and of course, at Midrash at Lindenbaum, we've continued that tradition, uh, as well as many other places, Migzal Ozan, Matan, and Nishmat, and there's so many places that are, uh, and others, and at Yeshiva University, of course, in, in the U.S., um, and Drisha, where I studied, so many places, and more and more, and um, and I think that that is a, a really a tremendous bracha, uh, that we should really, like, I'm very thankful to Hashem that my daughters have many more opportunities to learn than than I did than I did. Um, with regard to the question about leadership roles, I, I actually think I personally think that the best leadership the best opportunities for leadership roles really come organically and really have to do with the community. Um, you know, some, uh, like most communities are delighted for women to give a shear. Some of them want them to give shear room to women. Some of them want them to give co-ed room. Whatever works for the community and, and kind of allows people to, to learn and to teach, allows, allows, um, allows the, the women who have what to give to be able to, to give it and to thereby strengthen the community. Um, you know, going back, I met Elias 17 years ago at that time, for the four years before that, my husband and I were both working at the Jewish Center in Manhattan, um, where he was the assistant rabbi and I was the education director. And I directed the whole adult education program there. And I well, taught many kalot, kalot classes, and I ended up teaching all the, actually almost all the halacha classes at the shul I happened to be teaching. And so people started asking me questions when they had halacha questions. And when I knew the answer, I answered them. And when I didn't, I asked somebody else like most of us do, right? Um, and so, you know, it was sort of this organic kind of role that just that just sort of began um, without fanfare and without, you know, making a big deal, but just kind of being the right place at the, in the right place at the right time for people. And I think that that's, that's something that we're seeing also now in so many places um, where, so I think that I think that we need to look. We need to, to utilize the talents of, of of the women in the population who have chosen to learn and chosen to dedicate themselves to Torah and uh, and to learning and to teaching and to guiding, and to um, and to find the ways in each community that that 
fits and that that feels right and that that allows us to grow in our Torah and our mitzvot and in our midot. And after all, that is what we're going for. Um, I'll just end with a very brief story. I have more to say, but I want to let Rebbe Nintavori speak. Um, the one quick story, which I think is something that we need to, to kind of keep in mind. Um, when I first began teaching at Mayan Yeshiva High School for Girls. So I had a student uh, who was from the, uh, from like a more uh, right-wing Haredi kind of neighborhood. Uh, and, uh, and she was talking about her Gemara class and she told her, her neighbor that she has a Gemara, that her Gemara teacher, my Gemara teacher, she, whatever, whatever. And, and the person said, oh, you have a woman Gemara teacher? And she said, yeah. And the neighbor said, well, is she Shomer Shabbos? And, you know, and it's like the kind of thing where should you laugh or should you cry at that question, you know? Um, and because like the reason she laughed is because she said, you should see my Gemara teacher. I was covered from head to toe. I was expecting another baby. I don't know, you know what I mean? I was, whatever they were looking for, you know, in a Jewish woman, I think they, you know, that for, at least externally they would see, but, but, but more to the point, it, it made me sad because what makes you think that a woman who learns more would be less observant? Of course, learning brings us to greater observance, to greater connection. We're always trying to grow. And I think that that's something that I always keep in mind, you know, and I tell my students that story because we, our goal is to increase Torah knowledge and increase Shmirat HaMitzvot. That's, that's what we're all going for. Thank you for that. That's a, that's a great story. And I really do think that it shows how times have actually changed. And hopefully that wouldn't happen today. Um, I would think, uh, Rabbi Tavara, do you have any um, opinions on this? Um, I, first of all, thank you for, for having me. And, and it's an honor to share this platform um, with the both of you. Um, I was listening to to Anit Sally's um, comments about the fact that we're, we're all going for, for being more observant and more uh, of Dot Hashem and, um, and more enhancing our Judaism more and more. I think that one of the things that uh, women's leadership brings to, to, um, to the world of Torah is, is that um, there are women and, and maybe some men um, that that would not approach or they'd feel uncomfortable um, approaching, definitely ap approaching a rabbi, a male, a male rabbi, feel more comfortable approaching the woman sitting next to them in shul or, uh, or even someone that, uh, that they may uh, meet in the kindergarten, you know, in, in the playground um, with, their, with their younger children. And so there is a, a sort of informal uh, leadership where, where women can bring Torah into places that, that, that usually Torah would not be able to go. And I think that that's uh, something that, that even, I don't know if, we, if, we, if we'd call it leadership roles because when we roles, we usually think of a paid role or a formal uh, role. But I think that this is, um, this is the role of leadership that, that, uh, that women, um, definitely hold and, and are very involved in. I also think that, that um, there are leadership places that, that women are, are becoming uh, more and more involved in. For example, halakha writing. 
Halachic writing is, um, you know, and, and there are halachic platforms that uh, publish um, halachic writing. And, and Mamash, re really recently, in the past um, two, three years, we see um, uh, uh, places like Tchumin in, in Israel, which is the, um, the, I think, one of the most serious uh, uh, publishing places that, that, that publish halachic writing. And we see that they've, they've started to uh, publish women's halachic writing and, and, and women become involved in the, in the journal itself uh, with halachic discourse and, um, and are uh, seen as, as uh, very knowledgeable, knowledgeable women and they can bring their Torah um, to, to the discussion table. Um, there are other places, for example, um, it was mentioned that I had have recently started uh, a position at Barilani University as a spiritual leader on campus. This in Israel is very new. We do not have uh, women uh, leadership, uh, Torah Torah leadership on campuses, and this and, and this is the first time that an Israeli campus has a woman in a, in a Torah position, and. Um, it's, it's talking about the community in the larger sense, not a specific community, but the community of students, of faculty, and um, and and it would be very interesting, actually, uh, when it was um, uh, you know known on, on campus that I started the position. The two, the first two people that that contacted me with questions were actually men. And it was and it was surprising because the, the thought was that we'll have a woman on campus so that women can can talk to her and and, and it uh, and that's interesting. We need to have more of that. We need to to create positions alongside uh, the men. The, the Barilan campus has a rabbi. He's been the rabbi there for over thirty years. Um, he's a lovely lovely person and, and um, does a lot alongside him now uh, the position that I hold. And there are other places like um, um, hospitals, um, old age homes, or senior citizen uh, uh, homes in, in, in Israel. I'm talking about Israel because that's, that's the milieu that, that, I, that I know about. So, so when we think leadership, I think we need to think about it in a broader sense. And when we think about it in, the, in a broader sense, and we, and we actually, um, allow people to see that, 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 yes, there is a need for it here and there is a need for women's leadership there. And, it, and it's actually a blind spot. We didn't see this before. And it's not competing on, uh, you know, on, uh, for, for a position that uh, would mean moving someone aside, but it's actually adding to, to what there is. Um, I think that that, is a good uh, example of how leadership can can actually uh, give a response to to needs in the broader community. Yeah. That's a really add one more point. Comment. Yeah, go ahead, Rabbi Sally, Please go no, ahead. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> Just a quick point. I really agree with what Rabbi Tavara said about that kind of adding and expanding. You know, when you think about 
even just taking the point about women asking their 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 tarata mishpacha, their family purity questions to women, it has. I do not think that that rabbis are getting fewer questions. I think that that there are just many more questions being asked. Um, and that is a wonderful thing for the Jewish people and for Jewish families and for Shalom Bayit uh, and for having children and uh, so many, so many things. I know, you know, I know that I answer questions. I've been answering questions for years and years and not, pretty much not a day goes by that I don't get a question on that topic um, from a woman who says I would never ask, you know, a rabbi, but I, I just really wanted to ask somebody. And, you know, and th that kind of thing is, it's quiet. It's not even necessarily known about, right? And it may may take place in other areas. Not Tzadimishbach is obviously a very obvious one, but I think it's such an important point that it's it's adding. It's not taking away from anyone. Oh, fully but, agree. And and I like the fact that we're talking about it as growing organically from within the community, um, so that each community is comfortable starting out wherever they're comfortable starting out, um, doing what they feel is comfortable for the community. But I think that 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 starts to, to become a norm. So once you start to see it and it becomes acceptable, it can grow and, and you know, it might not grow as quickly as some people would want and it might not be as formal maybe as some people would, would want or would hope for. But over the years, I do think that, that the progress has to be built slowly so that people can acclimate and feel comfortable with it. And I think that's a really important part of what, what we're discussing right now is that organic growth and, and also seeing the very sincere need. Um, and I think that that's really important as well, understanding that, that the women who wanna be in that leadership role are coming at it from a very sincere perspective. They really want to help the community. They want to be there for the community. They want to disperse Torah for the community. And I think that's very, very important also. Um, you know, it's about that sincere, um, really wanting to learn Torah and be Marbit's Torah. I think that's really important. So Rabbi Nitzvah, I think you wanted to say something. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to share with you, I think an example that 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 may, um, you know, show, show what I'm talking about. Um, I think another topic that, that women feel more comfortable talking to women about is Avelut is the halachot of mourning. Mm -hmm. And uh, over these past years, more and more women have started to say Kaddish um, when they're sitting Shiva or, or later. And they participate in the minyan and the tefillah during the Shiva. But usually they find themselves um, alone. There's, a, there's, a, the, there's the minyan, of course, of the men. And they, 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 there's a place for them to daven but they find themselves sitting in that place to daven. So, so when I know that a woman is, is sitting Shiva and I know that she's saying Kaddish, I will make a point to come for Shachris, to, to daven next to her so that she doesn't, she's not alone in that place. And I think that, that, um, I think that when we have uh, women's leadership and, and we know what it, feels like to be alone in, in Ezrat Nashim. Uh, there were years um, when, my, when my children grew, grew up and were a little older that, that I came to Minyan every morning and, and I was alone in the Ezrat Nashim, which is fine. But if you're mourning and you're alone, then it feels much more uncomfortable. So when we're minded to that, when we, when we realize um, what the Torah is and what halacha is and what it looks like 
then we can come in and, um, and fill a gap where it's needed. I think that's a great point. Um, and I actually think it, it, it leads very well into our next topic, which um, I would like to discuss is, you know, what should the role of the community be in furtherance of women's Torah advancement and women's Torah leadership? I feel like we need everybody to come out um, and help men and women need to be encouraging. Um, and I think encouraging um, for women and make them feel at home, um, feel at home in shul, feel at home um, in Torah. So, you know, Rabbi Devara, you started talking about that. What, what do you feel is, how should the community assist in this? I think um, uh, shul, the Bet Knesset is, is a very important place. It's, it's important, uh, first of all, um, coming together for tefillah is, is very important. We know that it is um, you know, better, according to Halakha, definitely for men, but I think for, for women as well, to daven to daven with a minion. You know, you have the tefillah yachid, you can daven by yourself, but there is, there's something uh, more when, when everyone uh, davens together. So, so I think that, that shul is a very important place and it's also a very important place for, for community. I'm just, just thinking about people coming back to shul these last uh, Shabbatot after we haven't been in shul for so long. So, so we try to, to duplicate or to have something, some sense of shul outside of shul where we have our neighborhood Minyanim, and, and because we, we, we needed to come together. And when we come back to shul and, and oh, and, and, this, and here's my seat and, and these are my friends and, and this is the community that, that I daven with. So, so I think that, that in, in, in general, we need to be, we should be focused on, on wanting as many of the community to, to daven together because it, it makes the, da the davening um, much, much, much better, much, uh, um, it's, it's a different kind of, of, uh, of davening. So I think that's, that's one thing. And, and, when, and, and in order to do that, um, we need to, to have, uh, the machine needs to be a, a nice place to, to sit in you need to be able to hear uh, the Dvar Torah given in the, in the main sanctuary. The, the Sidurim and the Chumashim uh, need to be not torn, but, but, uh, but they... And, and also, I think, um, even when, when you think about uh, what time davening is and... and, um, and what, how will the community, uh, what will the community organize for the children at the same time so that uh, there can be, uh, so that women can be, can daven, and such. All these things I think need, need to be um, addressed. Another thing is that, um, I don't know if, if you know, but, but um, during the, the, the 14th, 15th century in Ashkenaz, there was something that was called the Weibel Shul, the shul for the women, meaning that the men daven in shul and the women daven 
someplace right next to the shul. It wasn't, it wasn't connected. It wasn't like this Latin machine that, that we have today. And in the Viber shul, they, they daven together without Kadesh or Varku, but they daven together. And there was a woman there that led the tefillah. Led and she also spoke about the Parsha every Shabbat. I think that that um, even in our Ezrat Nashim, um, I think there should be women that are paying attention to who needs help uh, with davening. Um, did this did this woman come to shul or not? Many many times a woman will come and she'll come every Shabbat, and then she's not feeling well or something, or maybe there's a simcha and she and she went away for that Shabbat. But if someone sees it and gives her a call after Shabbat, I missed you. Where were you? When you have women that are minded um, to that, I think that enhances um, the, the, uh, the community. And another thing is when you're minded to the young women. It's, it's not easy to connect to tefillah in shul when you actually have no active role. So, so you can connect through, connect through, um, through wanting to dive in yourself, you connect through the connection that you feel to the other women or the, the other people that are in shul. And I think that, um, that if you're minded to the young women that, that come to shul and um, you even uh, talk to them. What did you think about the parsha? Um, where are you going to learn next year, etc.? I think that's that's another thing. And maybe the last thing that, that I'll talk about is that when I any place I go to daven, any place I go to daven, if there's a woman who's saying kaddish, I will uh, approach her after the tefillah and ask her who she's saying kaddish for. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I've received very surprising answers. Uh, of course, the women that said, you're the first person to ask me, that I, I hear quite a lot. And then uh, there was a time where there, a very young woman, I, I don't think she was 19 even, um, I asked her if she's in Kaddish for, and she said, I'm saying Kaddish for my father who passed away two weeks ago. So it's, you should be minded in shul to the people that are around you. And um, I think I said very interesting. So just a very quick story. When I was at Stern College and the main davening on on a Shabbos, it's all the women are in are in the large auditorium, and the men are ten men. They you know find ten men. Um, my husband was there. We were engaged at that point. My husband came down for a Shabbos, um, and he was basically behind the machitza, davening. And he comes to me after, after shul, after, after davening. He says, every man should experience this once, just so that they understand what it feels like to be on the other side of the machitza. And I think that that's a very powerful, you know, just put yourself in somebody else's shoes um, and try to understand what the women are feeling on the other side of that machitza. If you can't hear, you can't see, well, of course, we're all going to talk because there's really nothing else for us to do, unfortunately. Um, so I just I think that's really powerful is keeping in mind what is happening on that other side of the machitza and, 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 and being able to participate. Um, Rabbi Sally, do you have any um, comments? 
Sure, thank you. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I am very moved by uh, by by your story, Rebani Tavara, and I think that's exactly the kind of sensitivity we should all be trying to show by really thinking about what's going on for people. I know, you know, it's a similar thing when someone says Birkata Gomel, right? And thanks, you know, and so I also, I go over to them, oh, what happened, right? Because it's a moment to, to, to try to connect with people to show we care. And, and I think that's crucial. Um, and it happens, you know, naturally, a man walks into Shul and they say, oh, what's your name for an Aliyah? Oh, you know, but, but, but where does that happen for women? And we need to be B'nai and B'not Avraham Avinu who are reaching out, you know, the way that, that our, you know, that our, that Avraham and Sarah did. Um, and, uh, and yes, Judy, I, I have many stories about going into Shul and having to argue that the light should be turned on in the women's section and that should be unlocked and, you know, the, the women's bathroom's not open. I mean, these are silly things, but, you know, like, that's, I think, one time I gave a little talk to some, uh, I was asked to speak to some rabbinical students at YU. Um, when my husband and I were living in Washington Heights and uh, just again, like they said, give us like a little sensitivity training and, I, you know, tiny little things, you know, that, um, that I said, like, you know, when you give an example of like a mitzvah everybody does, don't say everyone puts on tefillin. You've just, you've just cut out the half of the group that doesn't do that every day. So, you know, you, you can say everyone makes brachot, you can say everyone, whatever, you know, you could, you, but to sort of be listening to what, you know, how other people are hearing what we're saying. But I, I wanted to add one thing, you know, the question was about like the role of the community and um, in, in Torah advancement. And so Rabbi Devar spoke mostly about the Beit Knesset. And I'd like to just touch on the Beit Midrash uh, on, the, on the study. Um, and I, I really do have a bunch of thoughts on that because I think that like women's Torah learning has grown and the opportunities have grown. And I feel like what we need now is for, the, is for more people to be taking advantage of them. Um, meaning, and I think the community has a lot to do with that. Like, I think more girls should be staying Shana Bet after their Shana Aleph in Israel. Um, you know, it's very, very, it's much more common for boys to say Shana Bet than it is for, for, for girls, for young women. And I think that, you know, we as a community should be saying, yes, like this is worth it. You know, maybe you'll take summer school and get credit, or maybe you'll graduate a semester late, but you'll have invested in your Torah and spiritual growth. That's worth it. That's something we can get behind. You know, I think that we should be encouraging uh, young women to go into learning and into teaching, uh, whether it be in a formal way, whether it be giving a shear in their community, uh, whatever it might be. Um, I. I think if you know of a woman who you think whom you think is capable of writing, and she's not, I think writing is an area that that we're we're just kind of like seeing more women getting into. Um, Rebani Tavar mentioned Trumin, uh, so one of uh, one of the fellows uh, who just completed uh, the program that Rebani Tavar heads um, of five years of learning published an article a year a year and a half ago in that or in that um, in that journal Trumin. It was. As far as I understand, the first woman to ever be published under her own name um, as a woman. And I don't know if I ever told you this, Rebani Tavar, but my favorite part about it is that it was about a random topic, nothing to do with women. It was about something in Avelut, okay, something in the laws of mourning. And it wasn't, it was just she had what to say about it. It was a worthy article and they published it, you know. So to me, that's that's incredible. And I think that we should be encouraging 
women to write. I, I think that like there's, and I think sometimes, you know, we have a little bit of a confidence problem sometimes. Maybe there isn't, maybe I don't know what to say. Maybe you won't be good enough. And it's something that I think that we need as a community to be encouraging. Um, one of the things that we're doing at Majeshit Lindebaum in the Shana Alf program is we have a new track called the Matanidot Scholars Track where we are exactly trying to train, uh, taking young women who wanna take their learning a bit further and their leadership a bit further, we're giving them leadership training. And one of the things that we do for them is they um, spend a year researching and writing a Torah article under the guidance of a faculty mentor. Um, and we actually just, I have it right here, we just published our second annual Mat Midot Scholars Torah Journal, really uh, over 200 pages of beautiful, well-researched articles. And, you know, and and we'd love for people to read them and and to decide if they're good, you know, like, Let's see, right? Let's let's kind of put our put our our our, our material out there, and um, you know, and and be tested like everybody else. So I think it's um that's a, that's a very wonderful thing. And I want to just add one more thing, and that is, I noticed in the Q and A there was a question about how Zoom can help communities in the diaspora continue learning despite um, the uh, despite the uh, the kind of uh, drain of people to the states to, to Israel and I see I'm gonna I actually I, I don't want to steal Ravanitavora's thunder Ravanitavora why don't you tell us how zoom is going to help the diaspora <laughs> so so actually I was I was waiting patiently for um, for you to to uh, you know, to finish your, your story, but as Rabbanit Sally said, and, and this is another thing that can happen in the community, um, we are um, opening, starting an online uh, halakha program for, for scholared uh, women. This is, um, it was an initiative of the Orthodox Leadership Project that, that approached uh, Ortura Stone and um, and, and said we have women in the community that are teachers and that, that are that work in the community or, or, or they work in other places, but they give shurim in the community and they're known as Torah women in the community. And these women would, would like to, to have halachic mastery because they're, they're being asked questions and they're being approached and they themselves want to learn more Torah. So, um, so right after the Chagim, the, the applications are on already and there are, there are flyers and you can uh, find it online. We're starting an online um, uh, halachic, a scholar, halachic Scholars uh, program uh, for women. It's a four-year program where we will study halachot Shabbat, Kashrut, Avilut, and, uh, and Nida. Um, there'll be... Um, Shurim, Rabbi Hashkes will direct it and teach. Rabbi David Brovsky will uh, will give a shear in in this uh, in this program, and um, and there will be of course chavrutot. Uh, and it's an international program. We have women that are interested from Australia, from Israel, from England, from Canada, from the United States, and uh, and I think that this is a, a beautiful way of. Um, of taking this forward, the Torah learning, taking it forward, and being a Talmud Shemavili Dei Maaseh, a learning of Torah that uh, brings about uh, uh, a life of, of mitzvot and, and a life of, uh, of talking about Torah and having Torah be central 
in your everyday life. That's wonderful. It's really, the opportunities are, are wonderful and then the advancement is just wonderful. And I think we had also mentioned at some point um, when we were speaking, um, I think the role modeling is so important and being able for both young men, young women and young men to be able to see the role modeling of, of women um, being in that position of being able to, to have advanced oral learning, I think that's very, very critical as well. Um, you know, it would be lovely to be able to see a woman, maybe not teaching Gemara um, at a boy's yeshiva, but perhaps coming in and doing some type of teaching um, at a men's yeshiva or boy's yeshiva so that the men can also see and appreciate the fact that women, there are women Torah scholars out there um, and it, it shouldn't only be you know in the women's schools perhaps we can try to make that leap where there are some women teaching in in some of the the, the boys yeshivas any any final thoughts from from either one of you on this topic if not we'll move on to our next topic okay great okay so our final topic that we wanted to discuss today is um how important is the issue of titles um, for women who have attained a high degree of Torah scholarship. Um, and, and in this, um, it, you know, as part of this conversation, you know, is it somewhat easier, it seems to be somewhat easier in Israel, um, that there's an accepted title, um, much more complicated, um, particularly in the US, I don't know if the rest of the diaspora, but, but certainly in the US, um, about what we call a woman who has attained a certain level um, of Torah scholarship. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, we'll start, uh, Rabbi Nitzali, if you wouldn't mind, you wanna start on that one? Um, okay, so the first thing I wanna say about that is that um, it's kind of an, it's a little bit of an awkward topic because um, we're meant to run away from Kavod. Like, a person who's learning Torah and teaching Torah is not looking for kavod and is not eager for kavod and, you know, uh, for, for honor. And, I, and, you know, we say that's, right, the, the quintessential example of learning Torah, not for its own sake, is to learn Torah at Kadesh Ikare Rebbe, right? So that somebody will be called, uh, you know, uh, one type, at least according to Tosvot, right, of, of, of being, of, of learning Torah, not for its own sake, which is not the ideal. So I, I don't want to talk about, but, but what I do want to talk about is giving, what, I, what, I, what we are encouraged to do is give kavod to others who have learned Torah. So I want to talk about that. Um, I actually just finished teaching Pirkei Avot uh, this a week or two ago to my amazing Shana Alf students just finished uh, Midrash Lindenbaum, their year at Midrash Lindenbaum. And we learned in the sixth parak of Pirkei Avot in Mishnah Gimel, it says that if you learn from your friend even one parak or one halacha or one pasuk, then, uh, or even one letter, you have to give kavod to that person. You have to give honor to that person. Um, and the truth is that the whole idea of kind of, 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 of calling somebody something rather than just their first name, right, um, is I think to, to try to give honor to the Torah that they represent. And so, um, 
I, I think that the, you know, somebody wrote in the chat, just as you were, as you were, as you were saying the question, somebody wrote in the chat the same thing. You know, I think the title Rabbanit is a brilliant title, actually. It, it, I don't know if everybody knows that it is just a translation into Hebrew of Rebetzin, or Rebetzin is a translation into Yiddish of Rabbanit. I don't know which one came first, but it really... Um, you know, Rebetzin is obviously a very traditional title, um, which which did refer to the wife of the rabbi, but was a way of actually trying to recognize her place in the community. In other words, a woman was often called Rebetzin because she was involved with the people and helping them, and uh, you know, and 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 kind of being being part of things. It kind of it wasn't just oh she's married to the rabbi, but that she has this uh, this role in the community. Um, and uh, I actually looked it up before tonight in the Oxford English Dictionary online, and the first translation of Rebetzin is. Uh, is wife of rabbi, and the second translation of Rebetzin is female Torah scholar, um, because the name has morphed. It has kind of just um, evolved, probably from, partially from the fact that, you know, the Rebetzin was often somebody learned, and so she would answer, you know, she would teach or whatever it was. Um, and I think that now Rebanit means you know, is kind of this very traditional type of term, but being used now sometimes for a woman who is a Torah scholar who happens not to be married to a rabbi. Um, and um, and I think that's I think that's wonderful. But sometimes my students, you know, we we call I call my colleagues rabbinit, um, and um, who teach, and you know, because I felt like I couldn't continue calling the rabbis, you know, the rabbi Rav Brovsky's class and Dina's class, please come to the Beit Midrash. Like I just couldn't do it. Um, I just felt like I was disrespecting a woman who was, you know, worthy of, of being uh, honored for her Torah knowledge. Um, so the students say, what does Rabbani mean? Like, what are the qualifications? And we say, there aren't any qualifications. It's not a test that you pass that you become a Rabbanit. It's similar to you know, just just trying to give kavod to somebody. So it's like calling someone mora, you know, in, in elementary school or whatever it is. It's not a, but it, it's just a way that we we sort of um, acknowledge people's Torah knowledge. And I think that that's, um, I think that that's a positive thing. In general, I think that, um, that our community would do well to give more respect to men also who represent Torah. In other words, I think that our community um, should be, and it's connected to what I said before, I think we should be proud, we should be, we should be honoring the Torah that people represent, men and women. I think the way that people talk about the, at, at the Shabbos table about the rabbi of the shul, um, you know, uh, could, could also be more respectful sometimes, right? So I think that there's, um, there's, there's, there's the title and then there's, uh, you know, more important than that, I think, is the respect that we accord uh, people who, you know, um, who have that, who have that knowledge. Thank you. Rabbi Nitavora? Yeah, um, um, I think there are people on the chat that, that could actually answer uh, these questions pretty well because I, I see that they, they're really giving uh, good answers. One of them is, has to do with Bet Hillel, with the organization of Rabbanei uh, Rabbaniot Bet Hillel. When Bet Hillel was established, um, the organization uh, decided that it would be an organization of, of when men and women Torah leaders. And, uh, and one of the first topics was 
well, we, we, we call all the men Rav, Harav. How should we uh, call the women? And realizing that, that um, calling them by their first name alone would not be acknowledging um, the Torah that they bring with them. And so um, the decision to, to use Rabbanit is because um, in Israel, definitely in the modern Orthodox world, many of the women married to rabbis did not want to, to take upon themselves the role of the rabbitson or the role of the Rabbanit. And so the, the title Rabbanit was, uh, was left uh, a, a little empty. So bringing that title and using it um, to acknowledge women that, that, that speak Torah, that bring Torah, that not only know Torah, it's not, I don't think, um, it's not, the knowledge is, I don't think is, 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 the, is the core issue. It's what you do with the knowledge and, um, and, what, and what you speak. And so it was decided that all, um, all women would be Rabbaniot. And it was another thing that was decided, and this was very interesting, that uh, when we, when we had a, have our discussions, even though we're very good friends, some of us, uh, my Chavruta is, is in Betilel with me, and we will always refer to each other with the title, Harav Tzvi, Harabanit Chana, and, and um, and even if they're if they are very if they are our very close friends, because when we meet in Betilel, what is important is the Torah that we're talking. It's not it's not the just the person talking, but the Torah that that, that we bring. And and that actually started. Um, it, I don't know if it started it, but it definitely uh, expanded uh, this uh, this title. Um, it also reminds us that um, when, when we're called Rabbanit Dvora or Rabbanit Sali, it reminds us that, um, that we are not only uh, private people, that when you take upon yourself a leadership role, it, it means that it's, that it's, um, it's always there and that you represent something that is much larger than you and you are only very small um, in, in regards to this uh, larger thing, thing, which is of course Torah and Judaism and, and, and Ben Adam Lemakom and Ben Adam Lechavero. And, um, and, and it's something that, and I know it sounds like it's, uh, it's kavod and an honor, but it, it actually is something that should be very humbling, um, and 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 to remind us that um, that this is uh, where this is what's important, and not uh, you know the personal uh, place that that we are. Um, I also I also want to say that interestingly enough, there's no institute that gives that title. For example, when when our, when the women graduate our institute. They're given a certificate that says that they are they, they are teachers of halacha. They can, they can answer questions in halacha and they're spiritual leaders. It doesn't say, the, the word Rabbanit isn't even on the certificate, but the title is given by the community. As Rabbanit Sally said, it's given by the people 
that refer to these women as Rabbanit. So, so it's something really, really interesting to see how the community has decided that they want to have women uh, leaders. They want to acknowledge the Torah that women bring with them and they want to, to give them the, the title, to, to call them by the title and to ask them more and more to bring their Torah to any place that, that opens the door for, for the Torah, for women's Torah. I think that's such an interesting point because I think that almost brings us back to where we started with this, it's gotta grow organically and it's gotta come from the community and the community has to be comfortable with it rather than you know, having something imposed upon the community um, that doesn't necessarily work. Um, but having it grow organically and having the community say, we want to respect um, women who have attained a certain level um, of Torah scholarship. We want to show them respect um, and we will confer the title of Rabbanit upon them um, organically. I think that's just, that, that's a beautiful way to go about, um, you know, having that happen. And, and that's just lovely. Um, I do want to be mindful of time. Um, we've got about just under 10 minutes. Um, we would like to open up to the audience. If anybody has any questions, anything that they would like to ask, um, please feel free, put it in the chat and we will try to address any questions that you might have. Uh, Judy, there's a question that just came through on the chats, not on the Q and A, um, saying, asking the title referred, the title of today's discussion refers to glass ceilings. Can you address that? Yes, of course we can address that. Um, and I was just looking through the Q and A. I, I was apologies. I was looking through the uh, the chat before. Um, either Rabbanit Sally or Rabbanit Devaro, would you like to address? Um, the glass ceiling. I mean, I think we, we have to, you know, be understanding that there, there are some lines we cannot cross. Um, and we've got to be mindful of working within um, our halachic system. Um, so there will probably be some glass ceilings. Um, either of you like to address that? Um, I, I, I'd like to address it. I think uh, metaphors are, are, um, are very strong tools. And when we say uh, a glass ceiling, we imagine something that's very, um, very hard and, and stuck in one place, and that the only way to um, to move that that uh, thing aside is to break it, and to have shattering glass um, all over, and it's it makes a lot of noise, and it's um, it's like this this maybe even. Um, it's like very, maybe even a violent uh, act of, of breaking something. And I, and I think that, that, that when I think about women's leadership, I think about a different metaphor. And I think it's something, um, something um, softer. I think uh, more about a cloud. 
And I think that, um, you know, as we advance up, because it is Aliyah Be'ar Hashem, it is going up the mountain of, of Hashem, is that we, we, we want to um, move parts of this cloud um, aside to, to let light, to let light in. And, and it's, it's much more subtle and, and it's, you don't break anything, you move things around. Now there are things that, that, that cannot be moved. Um, you know, when you, when you build a building, there are um, stones that are in place that you can't move them because the whole building will topple down. So you leave those stones in place, of course, but you can build another room, you can add, you can take down a wall maybe that, that is not fundamental for the building. And you can move things around uh, slowly to let more light in. And I think that that's what we're doing. I don't think we're shattering things. Um, I don't think we're, we're breaking things and, and we, don't, we won't have glass all over the floor. But, um, but I think it's, we're moving it more. And, and I see in the chat, um, there's, there's a reference to the slippery slope, which, I, which again is, is another metaphor that I think that a lot of people are, are concerned about. It's like, um, will we be, um, you know, uh, uh, throwing out the, the baby with the, uh, with the, tap, with the water. Tap, water, tap water or whatever. So, so I think that, that we should actually be more focused on um, how slowly we're, we're how well we're climbing, what we see, what is the next step, um, where can we bring more light in, and, um, and then we'll be less concerned with uh, falling down or, um, or, or with having glass shattered all over our, our heads. I think the point with the slippery slope is you have to learn how to navigate a slippery slope. You can't ever completely avoid slippery slopes. They're sometimes in your way. You just have to learn how to navigate them properly and, and move to the right way in the right way. So yeah, I think that's, that's an important I also, point. I also think that, you know, when, when you climb a mountain and there's a slippery slope, you know that you're the, you have to be, stand firmly before you take another step. And I think that that's something that, that we need to, to realize, not to, not, to take, not to try to take five steps, to take a step, stand firmly, and then you can look and see where the, where the next step is. And even though it takes longer, I think that things that take longer tend to stay longer. Mm. And, and this I think should be our vision, it's not, we have a vision of eternity. Torah is eternal. And there's a vision of eternity, even though we're only, we're only going to be here for our shift, but, but it's eternal. So we need to, need to be minded for that. But that's what we're working towards. This is the way of, of, our, of Torah life. I want to add to your metaphor. I really love it. But I'll just add one thing that I, I think you'll agree with, that also when you're climbing a hard mountain, you don't climb it alone. You climb it with others um, and you uh, make sure that everyone is with you and everyone stays as a group. And we kind of, you know, don't lose anybody along the way. There's so many different pieces to it that I think are, uh, are also, also significant. And Bezrat Hashem, we climb up the Har Hashem together for sure.
Thank you. Um, we've got two minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure we have time to address any more questions. <laughs> Probably go over. So uh, I just want to thank you, uh, Ravaneet Devar, Ravaneet Sally. This has been just such a pleasure speaking with you. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to present to all of us. Thank you.